Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about a WWE champion who took a big stand this week. Dissect how certain relationships are portrayed on WWE TV and why the dead man will return at Extreme Rules. Ever since Stomping Grounds, WWE Universal Champion Seth Rollins has had enough with the negativity on social media. We'll talk about his most recent comments from yesterday, which address his friend and former partner, Dean Ambrose. Speaking of Seth Rollins, his relationship with Becky Lynch has been put out there for everyone to see on WWE TV this week. We'll tell you why Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville may be headed down the same path when it comes to SmackDown. Plus, everyone is still talking about the shocking return of The Undertaker on Raw this week. Bully Ray gives you his three reasons why the dead man is back for Extreme Rules and why we'll see him at SummerSlam. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Rollins tweets that started on Sunday and went through the last couple of days. Will Ospreay chiming in, Chris Jericho chiming in, Baron Corbin chiming in. Highly entertaining. Do you think that's what it really is, highly entertaining, or do you think there's a little venom behind some of the words that are being said, Bully? I think with the, I think with uh, what's said between Seth, Will, and Baron, I do think there's a little bit of venom behind it. I really do. And, and I honestly don't like it. I don't like to see the boys arguing on social media um, uh, unless there's some kind of real issue. Listen, I have an, uh, you know, uh, it's not an old saying for me. It's a new saying for me. Men don't throw shade. They throw fists. If you've got a problem with somebody, then you take it out with that person face-to-face, not on social media. Or pick up the phone and call the guy and, and put him in his place or something like that. But this whole social media book bickering, I'm just, I'm just not into it, uh, especially between wrestlers. Um, I think Seth sent out a tweet saying, I'm proud of the company that I work for and we're the best pro wrestling on the planet. I think a lot of fans chimed in on that and they jumped on the, on the negative train like they normally do. Will, I believe, was having a little bit of fun going, 
I'm alive. Will's just saying, hey, man, I'm a pretty good wrestler, too, and I think I could hang with you. He's, he might even be saying, you know, I think we should have a good match if you read between the lines. Yeah. And Will Ospreay versus Seth Rollins would be a phenomenal match. And if you told me that they were bickering on social media because there was a payoff or an end result, I, I think I'd be for it. But I don't know what the payoff or end result is here. Because if a guy like Will Ospreay ever came to WWE, they'd clip his wings and they'd clip him quick. Uh, and then he brought up Ricochet, and like Will Ospreay said, I'm, I didn't even mention Ricochet in your tweet, so I don't know why you're mentioning Ricochet. Now, Seth Rollins was just on a podcast, Sports Illustrated Media Podcast with Jimmy Trainer, which dropped yesterday, and it was taped just hours before this past Monday Night Raw. And the one of the one of the answers to to the questions that I think is probably the most relevant in the conversation that we're having, Seth talked about him defending the WWE on Twitter. You know, I sit back and um, you know read people, you know, bashing uh, something you love for so long, and sit there and take it and try to you know take the high road, so to speak. Um, and so. You know, I'm real proud of what I do every single week, and, and not just Mondays, but every single Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Thursday, really. Uh, I'm real proud of what I do and what our crew does and the effort they put forward. And I'm not talking about just the wrestlers, the guys and girls you know, who you see out in the ring, but I'm talking about everybody from creative all the way up to Mr. Man. You know, we put a, a, a ton of effort into making a product that I think is, is pretty darn good considering the amount of content we put out there and uh, the fact that people want to sit on the little soapboxes, on their little stupid uh, social media machines and talk down about it uh, really just speaks volumes about kind of the generation uh, and, and where they're at it. So I figured, you know, if somebody's going to fight back, it might as well be me since I am the champ and I consider myself the top guy in our company. Now, I think everything that Seth said in that answer on the uh, Sports Illustrated Media podcast is absolutely true. I, you know, he is the face of the company. He's the champion. He feels like he has to defend his company. Plus, he wants to defend his company based on that answer because he feels everyone there busts his ass from top to bottom. And he's kind of tired of, like you said, the vocal minority on social media criticizing the company. And like enough is enough. And he felt it was time to fire back. But let me ask you, Bully, like, is it the right thing to do? You know, should he be firing back? I have no problem with him defending his company, but being that the WWE is by far and above the number one pro wrestling company or sports entertainment, whatever you want to say, you know, is it the best thing for their champion to fire back on all this social media criticism? Okay, so you have to take people's individual personalities and maybe Seth got a little fired up and he felt the need to fire back and defend himself and his company and the locker room and creative, which I understand. But I'm going to try to compare apples to apples here in the WWE. Who do you think has received more hate on social media over the past, I I don't know, five years, whatever, Seth Rollins or John Cena? John Cena. How does John Cena handle the negative t- handle the negativity on social media? Uh, with a smile, with a joke. I mean, that's that's how he, he, you know, when he would get booed in the arenas and they were chanting Cena sucks, he would have a smile on his face. He kind of embraced the hate, yep. and when you embrace it, it kind of it kind of acts as a deflector shield. It just kind of hits you and rolls away. Um, it seems like Seth is playing into it a little bit. 
by playing into it, you open up the floodgates for fans just to be negative. And then when you attack, when you attack the, uh, the fans sitting home on their keyboards and the Twitter trolls and everything like that, I agree with him. And Dave, I know you agree with him because we had a conversation about wrestling fans who have, you even said it, what do these people have nothing better to do but to sit at home and to troll their social medias just waiting to write negative stuff? And in most cases, the answer is what, Dave? Yes, they, they they have the time. It's like, go do something with your life. You don't have to live on social media just to bash people. But Seth did what he felt was the right thing to do. And I commend him for that. But in doing that, you open up the floodgates for that negativity to rush in. So I'm just comparing it, Seth. And, and you know, in this interview that Seth did with Trina, Seth talks about John and he talks about how much respect he has for John and John's work ethic. And he's hoping to be able to work up to the same level as John. Well, in this instance, it might be, it might be smart. I'm not telling Seth Rollins what to do. I'm saying it might be smart to adapt to the John Cena way of handling social media. You just let it die or you take it and you reverse it. Because John would basically say, hey, you know, you, you can love me or you can hate me. I'm still going to go out there and I'm going to do what I do. And I'm still going to represent the greatest company in the world. Well, I mean, one reason why he may be a little sensitive and felt that he had to answer the questions in this way is because of what his friend had to say about the WWE. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the SiriusXM app. Talking about Seth Rollins and his interview with Jimmy Traina of the Sports Illustrated Media podcast that dropped yesterday. And we played for you why he felt the need to defend his company on social media. A lot of this started, Bully, because of the John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose interview with Chris Jericho on Talk is Jericho. And in this interview, Seth mentioned about his friend going over to AEW. He's a big boy. He's got his big boy pants on. He can go out there and say whatever he wants. Uh, but the bottom line is not everybody's equipped to handle the rigors of the WWE and the schedule and how it affects you mentally and emotionally. And uh, Ambrose gave everything he had to the company for the entire time he was here. He put his heart and soul into the travel, into the schedule, into the injuries, into you know uh, the work in the ring and, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he took his ball and he went home or he went elsewhere at least. you know. And uh, I think it's a little... Uh, presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk down about the company that, you know, gave him uh, such opportunities. Um, and, and he referenced some of those. He did talk about, you know, how he's thankful for the time he spent here and the fact that he's able to learn, meet his wife and all that good stuff. And like I said, I love the guy. I love him. I'll always love him. But at the end of the day, we just share differing perspectives um, about what we want out of life. And then he went on to talk about how Ambrose complained about the WWE on Talk is Jericho. You know, I hope that he does well. I've, I've kept enough tabs on him to know that he's doing uh, super well for himself right now, and I'm happy for that. But, you know, I just don't think there's any reason to, again, pop on a soapbox and complain after the fact. You know, you need to take the first step, and that's looking in the mirror and asking yourself, did you do every single thing you possibly could 
to make yourself and your situation what you want it to be. And if the answer is yes, you did, then you can go elsewhere and complain. If you feel good about that, and that, if that's what he's done mentally, then go right ahead. But if he hasn't done that, he hasn't looked in the mirror and made that decision, then maybe you should think about that. And that's, that's, that goes for any other disgruntled talent, past or present. Pretty strong words from Seth Rollins, bully. But do you disagree with anything that he said? Well, it's interesting because, like, Seth can say, hey, you know what? You took your ball and went home. You know, you're complaining after the fact. Can you look in the mirror and say that you did the best you can? I mean, like, it's easy for for Seth to say that because he's still in that world. But listening to Dean Ambrose or John Moxley on on Talk is Jericho, it sounded like, hey, you know, he didn't take his ball and go home. He fulfilled his contract. And when his contract was over, he decided to go work for somebody else. He is complaining after the fact, but it sounds like from that interview that he complained during the fact, too. You know, it wasn't like he just, like, kept his mouth shut and now decided to open up his mouth once it was all said and done. Because about looking in the mirror, listening to Dean Ambrose, it sounded like, hey, he did everything he possibly could do to make his situation better. The whole taking your bat and ball and going home or going elsewhere thing is really... um... It's unnecessary because it that's the nature of the wrestling business, and it's kind of the nature of business in general. If you're working for one company and you've and you've made a name for yourself and you've proven your worth, and another company sees that and wants to to hire you or bring you over, you do the right thing. You fulfill your commitments. You give your two weeks notice, and then you leave. And that's exactly what Dean did. I've been preaching on this show for the longest time that if you want out of your deal, get out of your deal the right way. And the way to do it is to let your contract expire and then explore your options. It's not to go sit home. It's not to complain. It's to be a professional. And I think Dean was a professional. Now, let's take a look at the way the WWE handled Dean leaving Would you say that the WWE did the right thing by Dean on his way out? 100% yes. Did they do things that are uncharacteristic of the WWE when a top talent is leaving? Yes, they they actually announced it on TV and on social media that, you know, he wasn't resigning and they gave him a fond farewell. Okay, so based on everything that you just said, if you were Dean... Would you have been so vocally negative about the company? I understand he put the company over. There were certain things that he said that were extremely positive, but there were also a lot of things that he said that were negative. Based on the way that they let you go and how well they treated you on the way out, would you have said those negative things? Personally, no, I never would have. Okay, so it to me it doesn't... I think that's where uh, Seth is annoyed like dude this company made us all millionaires this company really tried to do the right thing you might have not have been happy with your creative i there were times when i was unhappy with my creative but it all comes with the territory you have a lot of money in the bank and you met your wife here shouldn't that trump everything else couldn't you just go and say Thanks, WWE. Appreciate all the opportunities. Maybe one day I'll see you down the road. 
Yeah, and like, and it's funny because in that interview with Chris Jericho, he does say that at the beginning of the podcast. He spends like the first 10 minutes of that podcast saying, hey, if it wasn't for the WWE, I wouldn't be a millionaire. If it wasn't for the WWE, I wouldn't have met my wife. If it wasn't for the WWE, I, I mean, I grown and matured so much. I was, I was a child when I started with the WWE, and now I'm a man. A lot of what I learned is through the WWE. And then he went on to kill... Really not not anyone in particular, but more about the creative process of the WWE. That's where one thing where I can be a little bit more understanding about what he did. If he was like, you know, just taking certain people in the locker room and finger pointing and, and pointing blame. I mean, it was more like, hey, the WWE has a way that they do things creatively that I'm completely disconnected with, which I don't think is the right way to go, and which ultimately might be their downfall, and which is the reason why I left to go to AEW. So it's 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 not like he's saying, you know, sour grapes. It's like, hey, this is what I signed up for. I fulfilled my contract. But the reason why I left the WWE to go to AEW is all about the creative process of that company, which is a complete disconnect for me. So these are the things that we agree would have been the right thing to do in our opinion. But that's not what the people wanted to hear. People wanted to hear Moxley destroy the WWE, right? Yes. What if he would have said the, you know, the politically correct thing? Then Jericho's podcast with him wouldn't have been, done the biggest numbers out of any other podcast. People feed on the negative. You know, I compare it to this. Like, if you take a match and you light it, Dave, that's a fire, isn't it? Yes. It's a very small fire. Now, if you take lighter fluid and you pour it on that match, what happens? Oh, it's going to be engulfed in flames. No, nah, not really. Lighter fluid only flares up for a brief second and then it goes out. What happens if you pour gasoline on the match? Oh, there you go. And see, I think Dean poured gasoline on the match. A little bit of lighter fluid is one thing, okay? And that's where I equate what you're talking about creative. If he wanted to voice his frustrations about creative and things like that, I get it. I, I don't know. I just, uh, maybe it's just me. I'm, I, I'm uh, a little bit different. Maybe I was brought up in the business a little bit more in that old school way. I don't know. When I look back at my time in the WWE, I could sit here on this show for three hours with you, Dave, and tell you 101 negative things that happened. But why? Why tell you 101 negative things that happened when I can give you a million and one reasons why I would never give you those 101 reasons? My point is there's too much positive that comes out unless you had a really, really negative experience there. And I'm sure that there's people there right now. Like if EC3 were to do a podcast right now, I would understand all the negativity that he would throw on that lit match. He would be entitled to to dump gasoline on that match because there is a guy that's just getting dragged through the mud. Eric Young, Bobby Roode. Then I would get it. With Dean... I'm I'm kind of, I see his point of view. I understand his point of view. I see the frustration, but maybe a little too harsh. Maybe. And, and, and listen, it goes deeper. We had Stone Cold Steve Austin on our show on Friday. He did an interview with Dean Ambrose. I did an interview with Dean Ambrose. And I came on the air after that interview and I complained about that. Man, this guy doesn't have a lot of passion. This guy, you know, this guy's so too laid back. Stone Cold said that after his podcast, like even in the podcast, come on, man, where's your fire? 
you know, he was getting called out, and Dean Ambrose couldn't defend himself. Like, he couldn't say what he really, truly felt because he's working for the company, he's a part of the company, so he's hearing the criticism from people saying, wow, what's wrong with this guy? But he has to bite his tongue, can't say anything. Now he has the freedom to say those things. So it's almost like now I can answer to those criticisms that I was getting from Stone Cold Steve Austin and other markets. Now I'm free. Now I no longer have to bite my tongue. Now I can freely say the problems that I had within that company. That's also going to help me because I was getting criticized. It's 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 a real deep conversation, bully. There there's no doubt. And when the conversation is this deep and has so many different um, layers or aspects or perspectives, I always try to whittle it down to its least common denominator. And th- the way I see it is this. I think the WWE did their best to leave the door open for Dean. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. We talked a lot about Seth Rollins today, Bully, but we didn't really talk about Seth Rollins as far as what he's doing on WWE programming, not only as your universal champion, but what's leading up to what's going to take place at the next pay-per-view with Extreme Rules. And it's going to involve, you know, his relationship with Becky Lynch. And before we get into the matchup at Extreme Rules, let's talk about Seth and Becky for just a second, Bully. Because, obviously, Becky got involved in the match with Baron Corbin on Sunday. And we saw Becky and Seth in the ring at the start of Monday Night Raw on Monday. How do you think that relationship is working on WWE programming, in your opinion? Before I give you my opinion, I want your opinion. It looks... I would say this. Judging from what I'm seeing on TV, I would never guess that they're actually in a relationship. It looks staged. It lo- it doesn't look comfortable. It it looks um it looks flat. You you don't see the the chemistry that they have together. It's not to me it doesn't really show on TV. So do they come across as friends, buddies? What would you say the word to describe them? What are they coming across as? Coworkers, buds? Yeah, like I like two really good friends. Right. So I want to break down like the first five minutes of Raw because mm-hmm. I want to go by. I looked. I watched it as completely as a fan, and how they were telling me how to react. Okay. Seth comes out, gets the pop, starts talking. All of a sudden, Becky's music interrupts Seth. Why is Seth's girlfriend interrupting his promo? There's really no reason. Okay, so that was the first thing I didn't understand. He didn't mention her. I don't think he mentioned her, right? No, I mean, he was talking about Sunday. So you figured at some point he was probably going to bring in Becky, but... Like you said, it was an interruption more than so, an So she just, she interrupts him and she basically steps on him. 
Now, I watched the reaction on his face. He didn't look pissed, but he didn't look happy to see her. He kind of looked like, mm, what the hell is going on here? This is not your time. This is mine. She comes to the ring. People are cheering for Becky, and he's just kind of standing there like, all right, I'll, uh, I'll let you do your thing. Don't understand why you're doing it, but I, I guess I'll just let you do it. And then he says he doesn't greet her. It's not like, and it doesn't have to be mushy. It doesn't have to be over the top. It doesn't have to be anything, you know? But his first words to her are, you kind of interrupted me. Doesn't exactly sound like an I love you. Not that I'm looking for an I love you, but hey, you kind of interrupted me. And then she looks at him and that with that coy look on her face and she's like, did I? Basically saying, yeah, so what? And I got to tell you, by reading their reactions, because they're telling me how to feel as a fan by the way they're talking to one another and the way they're reacting to one another, both of them looked uncomfortable. Thus, as a fan, I didn't know what to think. So that was my take on just the five minutes of their interaction. I wasn't sure that I was looking at a boyfriend and girlfriend. And maybe they don't want to take the boyfriend-girlfriend thing over the top in the ring. I don't need to see them making out. But boy, oh boy, it didn't seem like Seth was happy to see Becky. And that's really all I got on it. The emotion was not there. It's almost like when you saw them together on Monday... You would never have gotten all those teases and all those power couple comments by Michael Cole and everything else. Like, to me, they were leading up to that moment on Raw Monday, in my opinion, because you had the little hints. Then you had the comments. You know, you saw, you know, Becky in the back with Seth a couple times leading up to stomping grounds. And then stomping grounds happens where Becky interferes. And now it's all out in the open. I mean, the WWE is tweeting out after stomping grounds, not so much about the victory from Seth, but about Seth and Becky being together. I mean, one of the tweets was like, hey, it's time to break the internet. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, the power couple in the WWE. So you know what? Maybe you don't want to go over the top with it on Monday, but what? Why not get an embrace between the two? It's out in the open. They Listen, just, Dave, get, you know. A, but but even if it's not an embrace, the the words that came out of their mouths were a bit. I mean, it's a if somebody said to you, "Hey, man, you kind of interrupted me." That's a that's a tad bit confrontational, right? Yeah. You know, and then if you, you turn around, you're like, "Did I?" It's kind of like, yeah, so? Like, th to me, that doesn't come across as people who are in, you know, this brand new relationship. And conversely, if you looked at the night before, remember what I said on Monday. At the end of the stomping grounds match, Seth and Becky looked more like buds. Like, if you go back and watch the way Seth hugs Becky, like that one-armed hug, it's kind of like, yo, what's up, bro? It's kind of like the way R-Truth hugged uh, Drake Maverick last night when he was consoling him. <laughs> like, the way Seth hugged him, he was like, yeah, you know, we're buds, yeah, it's all good. Like, I was waiting for Seth to give, you know, Becky a noogie. <laughs> saying, yeah, good job, yeah. Like, I, I don't get anything from them that they are in a TV relationship. 
I mean, or or any relationship at all. All right, so there's that's how that played out on Sunday and ultimately on Monday. But we have to go back to you know Seth Rollins being your Universal Champion and Becky Lynch being your Raw Women's Champion, and of course the challengers that they had on Sunday and Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans, and it led up to what we're going to see at Extreme Rules. Yeah, there you go. Chant for her. She saved you again. You know what, Seth? You need to take that title, put it on her shoulder, walk down that ramp, get in your car, go to the airport, fly on a plane, go home, put on an apron, and make a sandwich for the man, because she's handling all your business. I'd take Lacey Evans as my mixed tag partner against you two anytime, anywhere. Oh, Mr. Corbin, I accept that invitation. As a matter of fact, how about we make that match happen at Extreme Rules? So at Extreme Rules, you're gonna put both those titles on the line and it's winners take all. So it leads to what we're gonna see at Extreme Rules, mixed tag match between those four, winner takes all. What do you think of the matchup at Extreme Rules? Well, let me, let, me, let me say this. First of all, that was great heel heat by Corbin, even though he basically emasculated Seth Rollins. I don't know of any other champion that I've ever seen, uh, heel babyface champion who's supposed to be the face of the company who got emasculated that way, basically saying you had to rely on somebody else, you know, whether it was a man or a woman. So that felt, I mean, th- that hit home pretty well. Um, I think they missed a huge, huge point where they could have gotten some great fan involvement. When, when Baron and Lacey said anytime, anywhere, Seth and Becky should have stepped up and said, fine, let's do it right here, right now. Because that's what the baby faces want to do. They want to fight right here and right now. That's what Seth tried to do mm-hmm. with Brock with the cash in. He was like, screw it. Let's not wait. Let's do it right here, right now. So if you got Corbin and Lacey saying, you know, anytime, anywhere, those baby faces should have said, you know what? Put up or shut up. Let's do it right this second. And the place would have popped. And then the heels could have taken it away and said, absolutely not. We're going to do this at Extreme Rules. Then the people would have started to boo. They missed an opportunity for the baby faces to be fighting champions in that very, very moment. Now, as far as the match at Extreme Rules, I'm all about the intergender mixed tag match. I love it. Whether or not they take the uh, handcuffs off them and let the guys and girls mix it up, uh, I don't know yet. But uh, I love the match because it's entertaining. You don't know what's going to happen with a, with a, with a, a, you know extreme rules being the the gimmick of the pay per view. I'm sure you'll see some chairs, some tables, some kendo sticks, whatever. Blah blah blah. But it but the foundation and the blueprint is there for it to be extremely entertaining. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Or on demand with the SiriusXM app. I said that Seth and Becky don't seem to have a lot of chemistry. And you said somebody does have chemistry? Well, judging from what I saw last night, to, you know, to, to quote Morrow, Mamma Mia, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville certainly have that chemistry. Told you. Oh, my gosh. 
I don't know. I know. I know. I said it a long time ago. I don't know if I said it on the show or said it to you personally, but I felt that they have been very, very slowly going in that direction, and I think you saw it last night. Did you? Yes, and it goes beyond like words. And here's what I mean. How do you know when you really have chemistry with somebody? It's with a glance. Like you could say a thousand words with just a glance. Let's go back to what we saw Monday with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Now, hopefully their chemistry is a hell of a lot better than what I saw on Monday night in real life. Because on Monday night, to go back to what you said, Bully, it looked like, you know, Becky was going to put Seth Rollins in a headlock and give him a noogie. Oh, yeah, come here, you rascal. But when I saw Mandy and Sonya Deville last night, Sonya gets to win. Mandy holds up her hand in victory. And then Sonya turns around and gives Mandy Rose a glance. No words were spoken. Nobody gave a kiss. Nothing like that. It was just the way they looked into each other's eyes. And then Sonya Deville reaches over to Mandy Rose and gently brushes her hair back. That's all that took place. Now, I thought maybe in, you know, in LaGreca fashion, looked at it a completely different way than the way that it was presented. So I rewound it and watched it again. Then I rewound it and watched it again. And then I rewound it and watched it again. <laughs> so and, it took you four <laughs> times before you finished rewinding? Well, I wanted to make sure. <clears throat> then I actually brought Violetta into the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know like, yowie, wowie. I said, hun, sit down. Make yourself comfortable. Would you like a glass of wine? So what'd she do? Put her feet up on your back? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that was Seth and Becky. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, like, and I played it for Violetta, and she was like, oh, yeah. Like, you're not looking into this. Oh, yeah. She was into it. And then, you know, I put, then I, then I paused it, and then an hour later, I came back and watched it again. No. <laughs> now you know why I wasn't tweeting the second hour of SmackDown. It was a little busy, if you know what I mean. I got. I kind of like their interaction. Oh like I said, God. I've seen. I've seen it coming for 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 a while now. But I I like the direction they're going in. If they're going to go in that direction at all, and that's the thing, bully. And I don't mind it because it's 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 it mirrors what's going on in society today. So I'm totally fine with it. If it's real, it, to me, it works in pro wrestling. Now, now no? I don't. I no no absolutely. Oh. Now you mentioned it before, and I didn't think the WWE would go there. You know, I I don't know. You know, how, you know, if they wanted to dive deep into anything or, you know, look at with Becky and Seth and, you know, how they're kind of just like lukewarm about it. Man, there was nothing lukewarm with what I saw between Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. Now, I don't know if they're what their relationship is outside of WWE programming, but if that's acting, give an Oscar to Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, because what I saw last night was a hell of a lot better than what I saw Monday night, Bully. Uh, I, I totally agree. I definitely got uh, the feeling from Mandy and Sonia that they were into each other. 
um, with Seth and Becky, I feel like it's more like a friendship. And WWE has gone out of their way to tell us that Seth and Becky are in a real life, real life relationship. They haven't mentioned anything about Mandy and Sonya. Not that I would know if Mandy and Sonya were in a real life relationship or whatever. But on TV, it seems like they're <clears throat> they're putting their toe in the water with something to that effect. Now. Are they going to go there? Now, you saw it on SmackDown last night. Though, I went to YouTube, you know, and I went back, and I went to WWE.com, and I watched the highlights. They cut that portion out. Really? They did. It was not a, they, And I, I shouldn't say cut it out. They faded to black before it went to that point. Interesting. Yes. Wonder why. And that's what I'm wondering. Maybe it, maybe, Maybe the intention was to do it, but in them performing the act of looking at one another and touching one another and the and the the, the caressing of the hair, <clears throat> maybe it came across a little too sexual for them. Maybe they did such a great job with it that the WWE decided, whoa, this is this feels a little too real. Well, I don't know. I'll say this: when you're talking about Seth and Becky. There was at no point with any interaction on TV between Seth and Becky where you would say, all right, the natural progression is an embrace. Just the opposite. It seemed more like a friendship. Watching that glance between Mandy and Sonya last night, it's like I was expecting a kiss right after that. That's how, like, that's how strong that glance was between the two. Excuse the pun, but Seth and Seth and Becky have to raise the bar here. If they're like seriously in a relationship, then you know what they their their interaction has to be a little bit stronger, especially since they're mentioning that they are actually in a relationship every chance they get. Yeah, but I don't need to see lovey dovey out of Seth and Becky. But th- at the very least, listen, if you don't see them giving each other a kiss, and I don't ne- necessarily need to see them kiss. It was the hugging. It was the body language of the hugging between mm-hmm. Seth and Becky. The, it was kind of more of a bro hug than anything else. And I guess if, man, if Becky wants to call herself the man, so yeah, it was like a bro hug between two men. That's the way it came off to me. I never got that, mo- like, I never got that moment of them just looking at each other and got that one moment in time where they gave me a relationship-esque embrace. Would that be fair enough to yes, say, Dave? Yes, I agree. I, I agree. And if I would have got that embrace, then I would have got it a lot better, especially at stomping grounds. And then the next night, like I said, interrupting the promo, him saying, you kind of interrupted me, and she's like, yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm the universal champion. You just interrupted me for no reason. And she's basically saying, yeah, so F you. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. It's kind of odd. It, it is. It, it's it's It's... It's like it's it is odd. Odd's the perfect word to describe it. And that's not what I was expecting coming out of stomping grounds. I was expecting a little bit more, a little bit deeper and a little bit different than what I saw Monday night. What I would have done in that situation is I would have had Seth come out and start cutting a promo and then he would have been interrupted by Corbin and Lacey at the same time. 
and now Corbin and Lacey are interrupting, and now Becky comes out. That's a monster reaction for Becky. Now I understand why Becky's coming out. She's coming out to even the odds. And then Corbin could have said what he said about, oh, look, here she, here's, here she is, the man saving the man. You should go put on an apron. Then they should have made the challenge. The baby faces should have accepted right then and there. And then the heels should have took it away and say, no, we do it at Extreme Rules. That's the way the segment should have been built up to me. Not, not that I came out of this feeling like uncomfortable about Seth and Becky's relationship from an on-camera yes, point of view, uh, uh, this not is in all, a real-life no, point of view. Because we, we, don't, we don't know what I goes on. I have no on. idea what their real-life relationship is. No, and Christina actually tweeted this out, but who are we to really judge how two people look like as a couple? I mean, did you want to see them kissing on TV? I mean, what more did you expect? I just I sense, said what it was. I sense they were flirty just the way Becky looks at Seth says it for me. So she looks at it like they were kind of being flirty. Christina looks at it differently than the way you and <clears> I looked at it. Wait, is she looking is she talking about Becky and Seth? Yes. They looked f- flirty? Yes. She when? said I sense they were flirty just the way Becky looks at Seth says it for me. I didn't see it that way. I, I, but that's I, fine. But men are from Mars and women are from Venus. I didn't see flirt flirty in any way. And and the words, the body language did not dictate flirty, and the words did not dictate flirty. And maybe I don't know what flirty is in 2019. I don't need to. Look at what I have at home. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Bully Ray, you heard the gong. And then you saw the man, the Undertaker. To come to the defense, I guess, of Roman Reigns in the handicap match with Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins. Interesting timing. Just a couple weeks away from the Super Showdown where Undertaker got a lot of criticism. We talked a lot about that and how some of that was unfounded. Undertaker is back. I want to get your reaction to the Undertaker being back, Bully, plus the timing and why the Undertaker is back. Did you talk about this with Mark? Yes. What was his opinion? Well, when it when it comes to The Undertaker, it's he's just excited as a fan for The Undertaker to be back. I mean, okay. I mean, that's... Okay, I get it. That's pretty easy. But there's got to be reasons, right? Got to be... I mean, you know, do, do you think six months ago they said, all right, we're, we're going to bring Taker back at Extreme Rules and he's going to team at Roman? Uh, well, Mark... Here, here's what Mark. I'm not said. asking you Mark's opinion. I'm asking your opinion. Do you think that this was a plan? Hello, I would, McFly. I would, I would hope so. Yeah, I, no, I think, I, I think this was, I think this was done recently because of certain circumstances. All right. Oh, interesting. So you think that the appearance? Uh, and wait a second, because I got, I got to go back to something that you said after Super Showdown. Okay. You said if if I was the WWE, I would immediately put Undertaker back in the ring with Goldberg. Yep. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or if that could happen, but Probably, it should not happen anymore. Now that they're going in this direction, yes. 
But they are bringing The Undertaker right back. Yep. So you're saying that it's because, hey, we had this misstep a couple weeks ago. There was some backlash. The best thing to, you know, kind of just stomp this out is to bring The Undertaker immediately back. It is one of my top three reasons why I believe we're seeing him back. The number one reason I believe is because of ticket sale perception. Uh, The West Coast swing, as far as arena sales, weren't very good for them, correct? Yes. I don't care how many people are in the arena, and I despise when I see fans take pictures of empty arenas and send it to us because they're trying to make the product look bad or something like that. That does nothing for pro wrestling. There is no positivity in that. I don't care if half the arena is closed off. If I go to a Kiss concert, I don't care if I'm the only person there because I'm there to have fun, and we're all there to have fun. So if there's 500, 5,000, or 50,000, I'm not, I don't care. But ticket sales have been a bit lackluster, and the perception on social media is, oh, WWE is doing so poorly. They're going into a they're going into Philadelphia with a pay-per-view called Extreme Rules, right? Yes. They pretty from a perception point of view, that place needs to be sold out, doesn't it? Yeah. For for sure. In Philly, East Coast if, crowd, Extreme Rules, that should be a sellout. If you go into Extreme Rules with the with the place half full, I'm sorry, not Extreme Rules. If you go into Philadelphia for a pay-per-view and the place is only half sold out, I think that's going to be very telling. I think that would be another crack in the wall. I think that would really have to open people's eyes to be like, holy crap, we're in Philadelphia for a, basically a, 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 a pay-per-view that was invented because of ECW, blah, 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 yeah. and we can't sell the place out? This does not look good in the in the in the shadows of the the tidal wave that is AEW that it's on its way in. So I believe putting somebody like Taker helps ticket sales. That's the number one reason. Number two, I believe that Taker and the WWE might want to wash the bad taste uh, that people have in their mouth from the Goldberg match. And, and maybe this means a lot to Taker. Maybe he's like, I don't like the way that la- last match went, and I need to have a good match. This way I can look at myself in the mirror or put my head on my pillow. I don't know. I'm just giving you my opinion as a wrestler who could have been put in a similar situation. You want to go out there and have a good match and prove to the people that, hey, I had a bad day. Bill had a bad day. We did our absolute best, but here's what I still got left in the tank. And number three, I think it's to give Roman the rub. All of those very valid reasons why you are seeing Taker back at Extreme Rules. Now, I'm going I'm to get into what Mark Henry said on our show yesterday in just, a, in just a second. But in your opinion, and you want to know something, I can't disagree with anything you just said. Because everything you, you said was spot on in my opinion. I think a lot of reasons why a lot of people have been bringing up stomping grounds and the poor attendance of stomping grounds is because AEW's you know, all out went on sale around the same time and sold out in 15 minutes. But yet, 
you know, stomping ground struggled to get half attendance in the arena. So that AEW tidal wave, like you said, is only going to get bigger if the WWE goes into Philly for Extreme Rules and doesn't sell it out. Then you have the component with The Undertaker where he had that misstep with Goldberg in Jeddah, and now you, like you said, you want to wait, uh, wash that bad taste out of your mouth. So let me ask you this. Does The Undertaker's appearance end at Extreme Rules, or does he stick around beyond Extreme Rules, possibly to SummerSlam? There's no way you can give an answer to that because it's going to depend on how Taker feels, what he wants to do. In this tag match, it's going to give him an opportunity to go out there and shine. Um, you know that uh, you know that Shane and Drew are going to bump their asses off for him. He'll be he'll you know you won't have to deal with the fact that you're working with somebody who hasn't been in the ring a considerable amount of time in Goldberg. You won't have to deal with the heat situation, the travel situation. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in conditions that are a lot more favorable to having a really great match. The Philly crowd is going to be hot. In no way, shape, or form are they going to be disrespectful to the Undertaker because of an of a of a, a night that went wrong in Saudi Arabia. Nobody's going to care about it. It's not going to matter. Um, whether we see him or not pass that, it all depends on if there's something right for him. Like the the Undertaker is now an attraction. I want to see him when there's a reason to see him. And, I, and I've told you in the past, I don't need to see The Undertaker anymore. Like, if I never got The Undertaker again, I'd be totally fine with that because I've seen everything there is to do. People say, oh, what about a, the match against Sting? The match against Sting probably has less of a chance to succeed as the match against Goldberg because Sting has been out of the ring yeah. longer than Goldberg has, right? Yep. So it just, it just facts here. I'm, and, and nobody's a bigger fan of Sting than I am, but so, Rust... Rust never sleeps, and Rust sets in quick, no matter how great of a performer you are. So do we see Taker at SummerSlam? Why? Because of his entrance? If all I'm getting is an entrance, no, I don't want to see him. I want to see Taker if there's a reason for it. If, If Bray Wyatt terrorizes the entire WWE, but then tries to terrorize The Undertaker, and it doesn't work. The Fiend versus the Dead Man. Eh, there's something there that's off the top of my head. I know we've seen it at WrestleMania before, but that was Bray Wyatt versus The Undertaker. This is The Fiend. This is something different. Yep. So for me, with Taker, it's if and only if. If you got a character that can benefit from working with The Undertaker, if you have a story that can put asses in seats, that's great. But what is bringing back Undertaker also telling us? That they have to rely on stars of the past. And by no means when I say a star of the past, do I mean that in a negative way to The Undertaker. But if you're going to look to stars of the past... There's no more of a star of the past than The Undertaker because he was around longer than Rocky, Austin, Hunter, yep. all these guys. Yep. And that, that's my take on the whole situation. And that's honest, it's fair, and that's from a business perspective. Now, you mentioned like the rub to, to Roman Reigns being in that match at Extreme Rules and tagging with Roman to go up against Seth and Drew McIntyre. Mark was really curious about not only the timing of it, but the reason why. Why Roman Reigns? Why would Undertaker come to the ring to help Roman Reigns in this situation? You know, he, he had a match with, with Shane McMahon at WrestleMania 32, 
But I think what Mark said, the more telling match was the match that he had with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33. That was supposed to be the retirement match. After their match at WrestleMania 33, Roman Reigns beat The Undertaker. Undertaker takes off his hat, takes off his jacket, takes off the gloves, lays them in the middle of the ring. And we thought that was the end of The Undertaker. You thought. Go back and listen to the shows that I was on. I never thought he was retiring. I actually went on record and said, nope. Because of the boots. That's right. You didn't see the boots in the middle of the ring, thus he was not retiring. So keep going. No, but the story surrounding those two, whether it goes that, hey, the Undertaker saying to Roman, you were supposed to take the ball and run with it. You know, here you are. You beat me at WrestleMania 33 in the main event. The next year at WrestleMania 34, you're losing the Brock Lesnar and not capturing that Universal Championship. Or it could be the other way around where Roman Reigns is that I was supposed to be the guy. I was supposed to retire you. You were supposed to go away, yet you didn't go away. Could be a compelling story moving forward if they choose to go in that direction. If they choose to tell the story. If there is no story told and they just run with this, then it is glaring as to why they've teamed him with Roman. And it's just to get the bad taste out of people's mouths from the Saudi match. And it's strictly to put asses in seats. If they never decide to tell you the why of Taker came back for this match or the why Taker would be teaming with Roman. Because does Taker have any real heat with Shane or with Drew? No, I mean, you know, like I said, with Drew McIntyre, there's 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 nothing there when it comes to The Undertaker and Drew McIntyre. And then when you look at The Undertaker and Shane McMahon, I mean, really, they had that match at WrestleMania 32, but... There's no real there's no There's no... As a matter of fact, an Undertaker beat Shane McMahon yeah. at WrestleMania 32. So That's my point. Unless they come up with some kind of a compelling storyline, anything then it, it, it is what it is. It's to put asses in seats. It's to sell out the arena in Philly. It's so Taker can have a, a, a good match and people hopefully forget about the, the Jetta match and it's to give Roman a little bit of the rub. Because listen, once you get to the top, and we've discussed this before, Dave, you always need somebody that'll help get you to that next level, right? Mm-hmm. Who can Seth Rollins work with right now? Or who can Roman Reigns work with right now that actually gives them a little bit of the rub? There's nobody. nobody. So Seth and Taker standing side by side, Undertaker sharing his spotlight with, with, uh, with Roman Reigns helps Roman a little bit. And I'm sure there could be a moment. That they'll come up with something interesting and intriguing, and I'm sure they'll have a great match because you know they're going to take the handcuffs off. It's going to be a no DQ, blah, 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 do whatever you want, Philly street fight, tag, you know, just tear the house down. So, and I, and I hate using this term because it sounds kind of harsh bully but in, in essence what you're saying it, it's it's kind of damage control a little bit having the undertaker at extreme rules it, to me it's it but it, it they've always relied on attitude era stars when does that stop <laughs> when do the rolling stones stop touring when does ACDC stop touring? When does KISS stop touring? And when they do stop touring, who's next in line? Well, and, and, and the same thing you see in rock and roll is happening in pro wrestling. 
Well, and here's the reason why I say that, Bully. And I know we've talked about this before. I remember being a wrestling fan in the 80s, and a lot of those 70s superstars turned into almost, quote-unquote, enhancement talent in the 80s. Like, you saw the shift. The fans wanted to see new stars in the 80s. We saw it, obviously, in the Attitude Era. You wanted to see the young top stars. You didn't want to see the stars from the 80s anymore. Did the WWE have to bring in Hulk Hogan to give Steve Austin the rub? No. But they did have to bring in somebody. Who was it? What, for Stone Cold? Yeah. Who who gave Stone Cold the big rub? I mean, for, for me, the, I, I don't know if you would call it the rub, but to, to, to me, the match is the match with Bret Hart. Nah, Mike Tyson is who gave him the rub. So you're That's looking outside the world of pro wrestling. Outside of the world of pro wrestling. When I look at... When I look at the WWE right now, I think all of the stars that are there today have rubbed each other as far to the top as they can go. They don't have that next level to get them any higher. There aren't any Austin's rocks. and I mean, yes, Taker is still around. Hunter comes around every once in a while. But if you truly want to give guys the rub, you have to have Undertaker working with the Demon. Or you have to have Triple H working against Samoa Joe or, or, you know, or things like that. That's how you truly get guys to the next level. Having Triple H work with Orton, yeah, I get it. It's cool, but Orton doesn't need that rub, nor do I believe he's really getting that rub. Goldberg versus uh, Undertaker, I know these anom- are anomalies because of the whole um, situation in Jeddah. The only person that truly, truly... Uh, could get a great rub off of this tag match at Extreme Rules is Drew. If Drew drops Taker a couple of times and has some good offense against Taker, he stands to benefit the most from it. So hopefully they use Taker in some way, shape, or form for Drew to get over. I don't, I'm not saying he has to go over, but they could use Taker to help Drew get over. Shane don't need a rub. Roman don't need a rub. Roman gets the rub just by standing in the same corner as Taker. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, for crying out loud, like we said, Roman beat the Undertaker in the main event at WrestleMania. You can't get a bigger rub than that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Undertaker moving forward. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156, The Busted Open Podcast. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.